I came that they may have life and have it abundant. Let the word go forth from this time and place to friend and foe alike that the torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans. We're going to win by being the people that other people want to be around. Society wants guys who have an answer, guys who are committed, men who have a plan to make things better and go out and do it. You are listening to Night Vision. Hello and welcome to Night Vision, a multi-platform audio magazine presented by the Indiana State Council of the Knights of Columbus designed to enrich, enlighten, educate, and entertain. On today's show, we celebrate the Christmas season in all of its glory and simplicity. In a time of unknowns and new normals, we look at the seasonal traditions that bring us warmth and comfort. First, Scott Judy straps on his snowshoes and heads to the southern coast of Turkey to speak with a very special guest. Next up, Walt Peja sits down with the music director from St. John the Evangelist in Indianapolis. And finally, another Catholic gentleman becomes a knight in the latest installment of A Knight's could the man we've come to know as Santa Claus and the Bishop of Myra be the same person? Scott Schutte investigates in this Night Vision exclusive. Hi everyone, this is Scott Schutte. I am joined today with His Excellency Bishop St. Nicholas of Myra. Pleasure having you on the show. Do you mind if I just refer to you as St. Nicholas? That's perfectly fine. Thank you. A lot of people heard of you, but I don't think many people know a whole lot about you. So can you give us some background about your early life? Sure. Uh, Was born in 280 in Patara, Lycia. Now, if Lycia doesn't, you know, it sounds like one of those old Bible places it actually is because today it's where present day Turkey is. And, you know, the interesting thing is I've made quite a few religious pilgrimages to both Egypt and Israel from Lycia. Excellent. Okay, so you you went on a lot of pilgrimages as a young man. Can you tell me a little more about that? Well, sure. One of them was when I was uh, making a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and I was following in in the example of my uncle, who was an abbot. So I was actually working to find you know a quiet spiritual place where I could you know really commune with God. So we set sail on an Egyptian ship with other pilgrims, and they weren't aware who I was. But during that first night on the boat, I dreamed that we would be in a storm that would put us all in peril. And when I woke up the next morning, I went to the sailors and let them know that a severe storm was coming. But they said, they said well, we don't have to fear because God will protect us. Almost immediately after they said that, the clouds start rolling in and they are black and the winds are catching in the sails, and and it is catching everybody's attention. Between the wind and the waves, it was impossible to keep the ship under control. They lowered the sails, but the sailors were fearing for their lives. And then they turned to me, asking me to pray for safety. So I'm praying for safety. Now, one sailor climbed up onto the main mast to tighten the rope so the mast wouldn't crack onto the deck. And he was coming back down. He slipped, he fell to the deck, and was killed. I immediately went over to him. And even though the storm was raging around me, prayed over the sailor, we were working to make sure that, you know, his soul was taken care of. But as I prayed, I said, Lord, let this be if he had only been asleep. So after the storm passed, the sailor woke 
without any pain, and we finished our journey to the Holy Land. Wow, so you were doing miracles early on in your life as a priest. Earlier than that, the earliest one I can remember is I walked up to a woman with a, as a young boy, just out for a walk, walked up to this woman. She had a withered hand. I just walked up to her, took the hand, prayed over it, and blessed her, made the sign of the cross. The hand was immediately restored. Wow. So you were pretty much a miracle worker as a young man. I, I never saw it that way, but you could say that happened. Okay. Yes. So I know you became a bishop. Is that what led you to become a bishop? I have to say that it's God's hand. The, you know, God had a hand in me becoming a bishop. And the interesting part to that is that it wasn't because of all this, these works that I had been doing. Still, again, as a young man, I wasn't even a priest at the time. Oh. From my side, I, I simply got up to go do morning prayer at, at the church in Myra. I was stopped at the door, asked if I was Nicholas, and I said I was. And there were several bishops there from Lycia, and they informed me that I was now going to be the bishop of Myra. And I had to let them know, like, look, you got you to know what you're doing. And that was not me. And they were absolutely convinced, and they convinced me, and they seated me as a bishop, and that's where I got my start. The thing that... Once I got to the seat, I, I did feel God's hand upon my shoulder, letting me know that this was where I needed to be. And as I was being consecrated, I promised to bring the gospel of Christ to the people and defend the faith from all who would attack it. And I pledged to live my life in faithful service to God and be the protector of the poor and helpless, advocate of justice for those in need, and a faithful defender of the Christian faith. So that's where it started. Wonderful. I know I've heard so much about your charitable service. Would you mind talking about some of the charitable things that you did as just a pious young man, as well as bishop and priest? Sure. I grew up in a very privileged household, and my parents were quite wealthy, uh, but they did instill in me uh, the heart of a servant. So when they passed, I was still young at the time. I am following in the footsteps of Jesus. I had no earthly need for the money that they gave me, which was substantial. I would not have had to do anything for, for the rest of my life with, with the wealth that I was given. So one example was there was a merchant who fell in hard times and he had three daughters. And I had heard the story that, you know, they were of marrying age. And, and back in that time, it wasn't, it was, there was arranged marriages. It wasn't like you see somebody, you fall in love and, and you make it work from there like we do today. So at that time, you know, he had these three beautiful, faithful daughters. And uh, he was unable to provide a dowry for him. Well, what that means in, back in that time, if a father is unable to provide a dowry for his daughters, they would suffer a fate of slavery or worse. So one of the things that, that I wanted to be very clear with everybody on, I did not do any of this to seek the fame. Okay. So right now, St. Nicholas and all the other iterations after my passing are very famous, but you know, during my time, that is not anything that I sought. So under the cover of darkness, I take a bag of gold, walk by their house see an open window, throw it in. Unbeknownst to me is the time that I was walking by, 
it landed in a stocking hung on the mantle to dry. Interesting. So that formed the diary for the first daughter. Okay. Now we'll fast forward. And she was married successfully and, and was a good faithful woman. With the second daughter, a little bit later, I did the same thing. Now, I don't think I was as lucky with my aim, but a bag of gold went into the window and the daughter had a dowry. Okay. And uh, she, was, she was married. Ah. Now, this is where it gets kind of embarrassing for me. The third daughter was really close, so I decided I'm going to – we'll just do the hat trick, right? We'll, we'll do it for all three daughters and help this man. Well, I tossed it in the window, and he was waiting, and he oh, caught really? me. He caught me, but he did thank me. He let me know that he was absolutely – thankful that I helped save his daughters. So what I did is now you've got to understand at this point, I was blushing because, because of him giving me all this credit. And I said, no, you need to keep my identity secret and thank God alone for providing these gifts and answers to your prayers. And that's what he did. Wow. Well, with charity like that, you would have made a great night of Columbus. I think I would have. And I know as bishop, you got to be part of the Council of Nicaea, which sent up a lot of the early church guidance. Would you mind giving me a little story about the Council of Nicaea? Certainly. If I look back at history correctly, um, this, is, uh, this is where I, I get an interesting part of my reputation. So if across the world they know St. Nicholas and Santa Claus and Scissor Claus and, and all those other iterations. If you ask a college, a good Catholic college student about St. Nicholas, this is the part that they remember as, as a true defender of the faith. Or it's something I'm not terribly proud of, but happened. A puncher of heretics came out of the Nicene Council. How this all worked out is in 325, Emperor Constantine convened the first Council of Nicaea, okay? And, and there were more than 300 bishops from all over the Christian world who came in, and we were debating the nature of the Holy Trinity. And quite frankly, it was a beautiful exercise in faith, except for Arius. This guy was coming in and saying that, it just, I'll let you look it up. Okay, but it's 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 his the Arianism is a heresy and it was wrong. Now the thing was, he was a smooth talker, and you could see people considering it. And I'm sitting there going, no, you know, Jesus was man, but not of man, which mm-hmm. is what he was saying, and he kept driving that. And there was me and a few others who kept working to make sure that this didn't go where it needed to go. And this is where I'm not particularly proud of myself, but I lost my temper. I walked across the chamber and I slapped him. Oh my. Because of that heresy. Now, this is where it gets interesting. The other bishops were, were shocked, Right. And at that point, you know, we weren't looking at it as being true defenders of the faith, 
right? We were we were trying to debate this piece, but then they never saw this as an as the first real attack of the church, if from within, and I did see it that way. So <laughs> they took me to Constantine. And Constantine had a rule that, that, you know, you cannot hit anybody or it's illegal to strike another person in his presence. But what he did is he said that the, the bishops themselves had to determine my punishment. Now, what they did is they stripped me of my garments. They chained me and threw me into jail. Wow. And... It, it is because I wasn't able to participate in the Nicene Council at that point. Okay. And then they said that when the council ended, they'd figure out what to do with me. It's like, they're so gracious, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you got to understand, I was ashamed of what I did because that, that is not how that was supposed to happen. You know, we bring people into the faith. We don't force them into the faith. And I overstepped my bounds. But... Jesus and Mary appeared to me that night and, and mother Mary's going, why are you in jail? And I had to let her know it's because of my love for you. So, and Jesus just standing there, he gives me the book of gospels. Okay. And then my, the gift from Mary was a liturgical stole that had the crosses that I wear. And they did this. So I would be dressed as a bishop now you have to imagine the, the sense of peace that I had being in the presence of Jesus and Mary at that point. So for the remainder of the night, I studied those scriptures. Now, when the jailers came in the next morning, he found me. My chains are gone. I'm dressed as a bishop and I'm reading the scriptures. They didn't even come in. I, th- I saw them look. And then I know they went to Constantine and let him know. And then it immediately came back that I was to be freed and fully reinstated as the Bishop of Myra. Wow. That's quite the story. And that's amazing um, that you were that close with God that Jesus and Mary came to you. Absolutely. And, and that's not something I take for granted. I think that the best outcome of this was the Council of Nicaea. They agreed with me. And they declared Arius's proposition is a heresy. And in addition, we produce the Nicene Creed, which is one of the most enduring prayers that we have in the church today. So very proud of the work that we've done at the, at the First Council of Nicaea. Excellent. Now, you're a saint. What are you the patron saint of? There's quite a bit, actually. Sailors, merchants, archers, and this all comes from one of the miracles of saving ship Okay. I also am the patron of children because there was three children who were kidnapped and I was able to save them. Along with that, I'm the patron saint of repentant thieves, which I'm particularly proud of. Brewers, which I enjoy. Pawnbrokers, who I pray for. Unmarried people, who I am continually working to help them discern to where they're going. Students, which is important for the, the future of our church. Russia. And Greece. Oh, wonderful. And your feast day is coming up. Tell us about that real quick. Well, it it is simply known as St. Nicholas Day, and it's on December 6th. Excellent. Now, I know here in America and in some European areas, people celebrate by putting out socks and shoes to get little gifts and things. I'm assuming that has to do with the gold in the stocking that you... 
made the great shot into with the right. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and that's the funny part of it. Everybody sits and wonders, you know, how do we, how do we get stockings or the putting the shoes out? And that's where it came from. Excellent. Excellent. Well, your excellency, thank you so much for visiting with me today. Be looking forward to your feast day coming up here on December 6th. And we are looking forward to a wonderful Christmas season. As am I. And the thing that I will say is God bless you and and all the knights in Indiana and the good works that they do. And the only other thing that I would ask is pray for me as I pray for you. So God, God bless you guys. Music has for centuries been an integral part of the Christmas celebration. Recently, Walt Peja had the opportunity to talk with Francisco Carbonell. Well, everybody, this is Walt Peja, and as we're getting ready for Advent, I am sitting here with the music director from St. John the Evangelist in downtown Indianapolis, Francisco Carbonell. Now, Francisco comes to us from Valencia, Spain, and before he came to the United States, uh, he was completing, which degree was it at the Vatican? It was a master's degree. You were getting your master's degree at the Vatican. Mm-hmm. You're currently working on your doctorate. I am, yes, I am. So you've recently won an award. Well, yeah, I was, I was named winner of the Indianapolis Symphony Choir Christmas competition for this edition of 2020. And I'm very excited. Indianapolis Symphony Choir is singing this piece first virtually this Christmas and then hopefully next year they'll do a inside live version of it. Excellent. Now you've written another Christmas piece? Yes, I've written another one. <laughs> it's called uh, Coordinatus has been recently published by a Japanese publishing company that was named third prize in a competition in Japan in 2017. Now there was one on YouTube? Yes, uh, that's the Omanyu Mysterium I would say it's my best piece so far. Yeah, I'm really glad I, I was able to write that piece. And also this choir who is performing it is just excellent. Yeah, very proud of myself, actually. Are you now? <laughs> With that. And, and just to let everybody know, that is one of the Christmas pieces that's being played intermittently in this particular show. So we were able to share that with you. Mm-hmm. So you do a lot of work with sacred music. You're out there winning awards all day long. <laughs> You know, you're running a choir in the music at St. John's, Mm -hmm. and then we run into COVID. Yes. From your perspective, how do you see that impacting being able to celebrate the liturgy through music? Unfortunately, with COVID, things are going to be different this Christmas, as they have been been different, like, since everything started. Yeah, we know that some churches will allow congregational singing, some others will not. So I think it's very important to keep in mind the domestic church at home it's going to be very, very important during this Christmas. So I would encourage every single family to have this spirit of joy at home, to sing carols, to listen to carols, to give glory to God at home as they sing. And also in church, when they can sing during Mass, that's going to be just wonderful. The body of Christ singing all together as a one, raising their voices to God. 
But in case they can't in church, be aware that that's okay. The choir will do their parts. Their cantors will do their parts. But try to bring that joy out, especially at home uh, this Christmas and throughout your workplaces, your areas or your uh, neighbors, in any other space that you are involved with. I know it's going to be very different and very difficult for a lot of people. That's some very good advice because mm-hmm. there will be some churches that are not allowing singing. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked to Andy Motika, mm-hmm. who is the head of music for the entire Archdiocese of Indianapolis, and mm-hmm. that a lot of it's going to depend on the priest and the size of the church in being able to do that. So everybody needs to be aware of their personal situation. Talk to your church staff. They'll let you know exactly what you can do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, definitely. And then there will be in every every church will have to make the decision on whether they do or not. But for sure there will be cantor leading music and just join that cantor internally. At the end of the day, that's kind of what Christmas is about. We have to be rejoicing you know externally but also in our inner hearts to welcome the lord as a christ child in our hearts even if it's with just in a silent way but we we can do that definitely as i've been thinking a little bit about this this is one of those sacrifices that we have to make in this time right now to ensure that we're here for next year (laughs) to be able to do these types of things so this isn't one of those pieces where somebody's trying to infringe on somebody's liberty or keep you away from being able to worship as you please. This is definitely one of those things where we are worshiping where we can, when we can, and how we can Mm -hmm. in ways that allow us to be able to do that again and again and again Mm -hmm. until we have COVID under control and that we're no longer a threat to each other by simply being close. Sure. Well, Francisco, thank you for your time. And uh, I will. It's my pleasure. I will see you at church, and uh, we will expect that everybody will be celebrating in the best way possible for them and their family. And remember that to keep Christ in your heart and keep those carols in your heart too. That's the most important place where they reside. Thanks. Thank you, Walt.
And now, here's our latest Night's Tale. So this is Walt Peha with Night Tales, and I have a brand spanking new knight. He has been with us for less than two weeks, so I'd like to introduce... Well, Nathan, introduce yourself to everybody. Hi, everybody. My name is Nathan Hedrick. I am a parishioner at St. Jude. And, in Indianapolis. Yes, sir, in Indianapolis. And... Um, I became a knight because uh, I mean I grew up hearing about the knights, but I never quite understood what the knights were. And then talking to current knight members, they explained to me what the mission was and all of their community outreach programs and all they do to help the communities around them. And uh, to me, that sounds like anything that a good Christian should strive to be a part of. And so when I heard that, I knew that I had to be involved. And I signed up pretty much uh, as soon as I could. <laughs> Excellent. Now, I understand that uh, you have some Boy Scout connections. Now, in, in, in doing your, what I would assume you did some homework, um, you know, what are the parallels between Boy, Boy Scouts and, and the Knights of Columbus? Uh, some of the parallels uh, would be the structure. Um, if, you, if anyone had ever been in Boy Scouts, they're uh, Girl Scouts, they know that there are troops, and then there are way, uh, it's all divided out into simple localities, and then you join the council, similar to joining a troop, and those are the members and the brothers that you are with, and uh, those are the events and uh, activities that you will be involved in. Um, and uh, you just work together with your council to improve that local community any way you can. Excellent. So if any of that resonates with you, uh, be sure to take a look at the Knights of Columbus at kfc.org, and you can join us by, once you're there, clicking the Join Us button. One quick question before we end the show. Does the 2020 holiday season have you saying, Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Well, you're not alone. So, as all of us here at Night Vision wish you and your families a safe, happy, and holy Christmas season, we leave you with this nostalgic, heartfelt Christmas reflection. True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Night Vision is a presentation of the Indiana State Council of the Knights of Columbus and Catholic Radio Indy. Contributors for this episode include Scott Schutte, Walt Peha, David Negrette, and Bob Zielinski. Night Vision is produced by Z Media Studios in South Bend, Indiana. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you.